Welcome to the Board Game Dojo. My name is Eric. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Whether it's your first episode, you listen to every episode, or somewhere in between, we sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our little podcast. Today, we have an extra special guest that I know a lot of you have been requesting. He is one of the most prolific trick-taking designers coming out of Japan. In fact, I think that if you know trick-takers coming out of Japan, you definitely know his name. We are joined today by Taiki Shinzawa. Shinzawa-san, jikan totte kudasari, arigatou gozaimasu. Kyo yoroshiku Thank you for having me. So let's start off with our very first question. Let's get right into it because I know you're recording quite late at night. Thank you so much for that. How did you get into board games? So I think my first contact with board game dates back to you know, family gatherings and New Year's. And also when I went camping with my friends, I enjoyed the people playing card games and board games. Oh, a great start. Camping? That's a, I don't even know how many games I played while camping. What did you play? So usually we would play simple card games that can be played on the standard playing card deck. Games like Rich Man, Poor Man, or Daifugo, as we called them. Daifugo is a very popular game. So is Daifugo the way you got into trick-taking games? Well, actually, I got into trick-taking games much later in the stage. So this was when I was in university, and I was already quite into board games. I'd be playing games like Pala by Jeffrey D. Allers, and also Wizard, and I was really hooked. I'd be playing them pretty much every night. Uh, Wizard is an absolute classic. So what made you go from just enjoying playing the games to actually designing games of your own? So there was a time when I traveled with my friends to stay in a traditional Japanese inn or ryokan. And for that trip, I went to a proper board game store for the first time and bought a game to take. And that was when I started to become a dedicated board game player. And I absolutely enjoyed the game, so I started collecting more games after that. And this was about a decade ago, so there wasn't a big playing community yet. So collecting games was my main activity at the time. I, I naturally would be just reading the rule books. And once I finished reading the book, I had nothing left to do. But I still wanted to be involved with board games somehow, so I started thinking about designing them. And that's how I got into the designing. That's kind of amazing because I listen to a lot of interviews from other designers and some of them try to play as many games as they can. And some of them are just reading rules and then some of them refuse to read any rules. Do you think that by reading rules, you were inspired to then use some of those rules and then make your own game yourself? Or do you try to come up with more original ideas? What is your design process like in general? I believe the majority of my games are original, but at the same time, I do think there are influences from other games. But I would only see those influences afterwards. So in that sense, when I think about when I'm reading the rule books, maybe I am trying to find things that are not written there. I might be being a little abstract. I think that's one of the things you're most known for 
abroad is like the originality of your games and sometimes the complexity of your games and how you tend to be pushing the trick-taking genre forward. In general, what is your design process like to design a game from scratch? In terms of design process, going back to the earlier discussion about rule books, and this is something I suspect that other designers quite often do as well, but whenever I read rule books, I'd be predicting what's to come, what kind of rules we'll be following. And whenever there's a departure from my predictions to the actual game, this could be the starting point for me to design a game. The other thing I try to do is to accumulate some interesting mechanisms or concepts up my sleeve, and those could also be a starting point for a game. So those would be my ideas for starting points. That's really cool. I, I don't know how many designers do it that way, but you certainly make creative games the way you do it, unlike anybody else. And there's actually a story about how you made Mask Men, the game that I think is one of your most famous games abroad. After you made a game for Jelly Jelly Cafe, can you tell us that story? Before I designed Maskman, I was designing this game called Jelly in tandem with Jelly Jelly Games, which is the Japanese board gaming cafe, Jelly Jelly Cafe's publishing brand. And this game, Jelly, was a card game using no numbers at all. And it came with seven ways of playing. And in one of the rules, um, this was when I experimented arranging the card game that we previously mentioned called Daifugo or Rich Man Poor Man without using numbers. So we published this game from Jelly Jelly Games. And after that, Sasaki-san, who heads Oink Games, reached out to me showing his interest in Daifugo without numbers. So we worked together on how the order of suits were decided. Of these rules were mainly conceived by Sasaki-san. And this collaboration led to Maskman. Oh, that's such a really good story about like how a couple of big designers from Japan worked together to create one of, I think, Oink's best games. So that's really cool. Um, speaking of Jelly Jelly, because they're one of the biggest brands, I think, in at least Tokyo with their cafes and the Jelly Jelly games, as you mentioned, and one of the questions we get the most from listeners is to describe what kind of games Japanese board gamers play. How would you describe the Japanese board game and card game scene and the culture? I think trick-taking games are gaining popularity in Japan for sure. And since a lot of the people has played Daifugo at some point in their lives, games based on Daifugo seem to be quite popular, regardless of the age or community in which they belong in. On the other hand, there is also a certain number of players that love heavyweight games. So there are people that get together on a weekly basis to play games that take two to three hours to play. So I do think there is a polarization of gamers. And I also think this fits the trend of games published globally. That's true. I was starting to see that more and more as well as like I saw a lot of heavy gamers would kind of congregate in uh, stores like Yellow Submarine. Uh, and then I saw a lot of light, lighter game players playing at games like uh, game, board game cafes like Jelly Jelly Cafe. But I mean, uh, we're getting a lot of trick-taking players now. In fact, there are so many that many reviewers 
are saying we are in the best times for trick takers. And many of them cite you as one of the reasons for all the innovations in the genre. Do you agree with the sentiment, with the idea that we are in a renaissance of trick takers? We're in a fantastic time for trick takers? At least in Japan, there are many trick taking games that are coming out. I've been designing games for about 15 years now, and I designed a trick taker about 12, 13 years ago. But back then, there was only about two or three groups that would be publishing trick takers. But if you'd go to a gaming convention these days, there will be countless numbers of new trick takers out there. So definitely, trick taking is a trend in Japan. And I can also feel that looking at Japanese games being released abroad. But I don't know if we're seeing the peak now. It is a very difficult question for sure to answer. I don't blame you for not being able to answer it. But with all of these trick taking games that are out there, Um, is there a trick taking game you think people who love trick taking games should play or should try? Yes, I would definitely recommend Pala anytime, as I mentioned before, since this one triggered me to designing trick taking games.、Uh, mixing colors, adding numbers, combining these two elements. It's very interesting how different players would come up with different strategies, and that's why I really love this game. Now, other than that, I also recommend this one called Tricks and Deserts, which came out about a decade ago from Ayatsurare Ningyokan, which I would translate to House of Puppets. So, this could be a little bit hard to get a hold of now, but if you ever do, I would highly recommend it. It's hard to summarize the rules, but There are lots of elements, and also the configuration of the card values is quite unique. So I'm sure this will be fun. Ah,、uh, yeah, both of those are good recommendations. I need to make sure that I get a copy of Trick and Desserts from Sudogaya before I publish this to my audience or something so they don't all snag them from me. Does that make me a good host or a bad host? So, this is what So, a lot of people abroad actually know you for your trick taking games, but you do so many other things as well. You have puzzles at Daiso, you have mystery games, and even abstract games. How would you describe yourself today as a designer these days? Right. So, these days, I think many people recognize me as a trick taking game designer. But as a matter of fact, I do many things puzzles, as you mentioned,、uh, which I design on a regular basis.、Uh, and this is not something I'm hiding or anything.、Um, I do work for a company that makes puzzles. So, it's a part of my daily job. And I do love abstracts and puzzles as well. So I do want people to try those e n d of my games as well. And also, as a designer, I'm quite influenced by my fellow designer called Kawasaki san from Kawasaki Factory. And his goal is to design、uh, many kinds of games as much as possible. And that also resonated with me. So I try to come up with different kinds of games as well. Ah, that's a good design inspiration, a good mantra, I think.、Uh, that's the designer behind Art Echo. 
right? Yes, that is correct. He designed our Echo. Do you have a, des- a design of his that is particularly your favorite? My favorite game by Susumu Kawasaki is called Console Romano or Roman Console. And in this game, one player is the console. And the unique thing about this game is that the console will get to choose the action cards to be played in the round. And the other players get to decide on whether or not to take the action. And if they decide not to take the action, the console gets to take the action. So I highly recommend this one. Cool. And for all the people that are listening to the show, I will put uh, links to all of the games that we've mentioned in this show in the show notes below. So moving on, you've actually mentioned in interviews, and you've already mentioned it a couple times in this interview, that one of your hobbies is reading rule books. So we thought we would play a little game with you. We are going to give you a line from a famous game's rule book, and you have to guess the game. Are you ready? There's some easy ones, some hard ones. We'll see how I did with put, with picking the games. All right. So let's start with the first one. And I think you're going to get this one pretty quickly. When a player has to pick up cards, each bullhead re- represents one minus point. I believe this one's six nimmt. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> six nimmt is correct. All right. This next one might be the hardest one. A player will score if their number of unused segment chips is equal to the number of tricks that they won. If these numbers do not match, a player will not score any points. <laughs> okay, I see. Uh, this one is seven segment tricks. Oh, wow. Amazing. <laughs> I thought it was a very small game. You wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yep. We had to throw in one of yours. We had to do it. All right, let's go to the next one. I hope I've, I've put down little less rules. So if you choose to place instead of pick up, you must put one or more of your available workers onto the gears. Since a gear was mentioned, I would say Tolkien. That is correct. Tolkien. Yeah, I was debating putting gears onto the thing. I thought it might make it a little easy. But that's okay. All right. The next one. In this trick-taking card game, players are art students who are learning to mix their pigments on the palette to get the right color for their canvases. Uh, This one is difficult. Uh, I might not remember, but I would guess Pala. Yeah, it's Pala. Yeah. It, It was from the introduction of the game rulebook. Oh, I thought I, I thought I was going to trick you on that one because I saw you mentioned it in one other interview. But ah, all right, maybe I'll get you on this one. To reserve a card, a player simply needs to take a face-up development from the middle of the table. Draw the first card from one of three decks. Reserving a card is also the only way to get a gold token, a joker. Maybe three rows yeah maybe three rows is a better way to say that i got this from uh online but maybe three rows is easier to gold maybe do we need a hint yes please the gold token is a joker otherwise the other chips are gems that allow you to buy the cards 
Okay, now I got it. Uh, it should be Splendor. Yeah, perfect. You got it. That's it. Congratulations. I hope that was kind of fun. So we're going to go to from some difficult game show questions to probably the most difficult question most people are asked. What are your top three games of all time? My top three games of all time. Um, I would start with Alchemist, where you can come up with your own recipes and scores. The second one would be, once again, Pala. And for the third game, I would say the two-player camel trading game, Jaipur, as I played that one a lot. They're not in a particular order, but as a designer, I would rate Alchemist the highest because the player's choices have an effect on the game's rules. And this idea is one of my tools when I design games. Oh, that's really cool. Have you played uh, his new game called uh, Deal with the Devil? No, I haven't. So I'll look into it and definitely try to get a hand on it. So the next question, and you talked about how... Um, you know, you try to design, maybe as a designer, you have a favorite game. Is there a design of yours that is special to you, either as a designer or what it's meant to you personally? I might be biased to my more recent games, but I'm quite fond of the auction game called Cyroboros, which was re-implemented as Big Top. I was happy with this one because... I was able to make the bidding part of the auction quite meaningful. I would agree. That one is definitely one I do recommend people try out once as one of the most creative auction mechanisms I've seen in years still. Um, so let's pretend everyone in the world has access to all your games, which for a while was a problem with Saoboros because it was so hard to get. But let's pretend everyone in the world has access to all of your games. Which game would you want everyone to try once to get to know who you are? The game I would recommend for everyone to try would be American Bookshop. I try to keep the rules as simple as possible using just numbers and colors. And I think I was able to convey the fun of trick-taking games while also inserting my bit of originality into the design. An excellent choice, I think. And it's a really good game too because you can kind of play nicely or you can kind of play ruthlessly as well. So I like those in designs. So going on, we're kind of like in the, the starting to get to the end of the interview. Thank you so much for taking up the time. But a couple of other questions. If you could work with any designer in games to do a collaboration, who would you want to work at? Or who would you want to work with? From Japan, I would like to collaborate with Susumu Kawasaki from Kawasaki Factory because we already know each other, for one thing. But not only that, his games are very diverse and the mechanisms are quite original. So as a designer, I'd love to see a game where his originality and mine are both represented. And if I take my eyes abroad, I would also love to collaborate with Jeffrey D. Allers, the designer of Paula, which I've mentioned many times as my favorite game. And he has many other games that are unique as well. So like I said, I believe my originality combined with his can result in something very interesting. So that's some collaboration I'd love to happen. Both of those excellent 
answers. Next question for, and this is for people who love your designs. And we've had, we have actually had this asked to us um, when we told our listeners um, on the Discord and, and other places that we were going to be interviewing you. Any advice for people who want to design games? Well, first of all, I would recommend reading rule books because there could be some interesting discoveries. I suggest reading a few rule books in the genre that you want to design. So, for example, if you want to design an auction game, read a couple of those. You don't have to be too extensive, but maybe read five or six. And while you're reading, as I said earlier, you might start guessing what the rules will be like. And that may also turn for the good and lead to your own ideas. So be sure to refer to the rule books of the games that are similar to what you want to make. Awesome. Thank you so much for that advice. And finally, cool. the last question, is there anything we should be looking forward to from you? Are you working on any projects, any new games that we should be uh, keeping our eyes out for? I am not sure yet when exactly, but hopefully within this year I should be able to release a couple of trick-taking games. The first one will feature a bidding mechanism where all the players will bid differently. So what I'm aiming for with this one is a unique trick-taking game where the players are all acting differently. The other one is, uh, well, I'm not really good with trick-takers where the trump suit changes during the round, but I'm thinking of a trick-taking game where this changing of trump suit feels more justifiable. So if everything goes well, I should be expecting to release this one sometime this year as well. And I also have other designs in progress, which I can't comment on just yet, but I'm sure you'll hear about them soon enough. Well, as soon as you put those out for pre-order, please let me know. Actually, how early do you take pre-orders for your games? Can I make a reservation for your games already? I will take 20. Well, that is about all the time that we have for today. And Shinzawa-san has stayed up late to interview with us. So thank you so much. And thanks to everybody else who is listening out there. Until next time. じゃあね。